Hello and welcome to this Burning Heart podcast series, Prayer, Learning from Jesus. Like all our series, this was originally written for the film version, and we do think it works best on film. But there are lots of reasons why you might want to use a podcast version instead, so here it is. My name's David Ingall, and I'm the founder and leader of Burning Heart. And I love prayer. It's one of the great joys and delights of being a Christian. Prayer can also be hard, though, and I also wish I was better at it. I want to pray more and go deeper. And my prayer life has always had a bit of struggle in it. I'm not one of those people who just found it easy, but it's always been a struggle that's worth it. I hope I never stop growing and learning in prayer. I've been a pastor and preacher now for almost 15 years, and I've come to realise that I think most of us long to be better at prayer, hopefully including you. That's probably why you're listening. I'd like to invite you, therefore, to join me on a journey to explore prayer together. We're going to take our lead from the disciples who asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. We'll look in each episode at some of the ways that Jesus taught and modelled prayer for us. We will also include some interviews from the film series with people who've inspired me in prayer. And we'll ask a series of questions. Why pray? What's the point of prayer? Why didn't God answer? And how do I do it? And my prayer for you is that you'll not only pick up tips and ideas, but also catch a glimpse of some of the glories and possibilities of prayer. I pray that as we look at Jesus' teaching in the Gospels, he will meet you and teach you and inspire you through his Holy Spirit. You may just want to take a moment to pray now, asking God to do that and deepen your life of prayer. If we're honest, I think one reason why many of us struggle with praying is because we don't really want to do it. We don't have anything against prayer. Most of us probably think it's a good thing, even something we should do more. The issue is that we're just not that excited about it. And that's why this first question, why pray, is so important. One of the things I've noticed about the people who inspire me in prayer is that they are excited about it. When I see the excitement and the vibrancy in their prayer life, it's infectious and I want to pray more too. It seems that that was the case with the disciples too. Luke tells us that they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray just as he was finishing up praying himself. I think they saw him pray and thought, wow, that's something I want too. And what then follows is one of two places where Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. Probably the most famous and wonderful teaching on prayer that there's ever been. We'll explore it in a moment. It's Luke chapter 11 for those who want to know. But first, I want to introduce one of the people who's inspired me in prayer. My friend Esther Beckley. She's one of our trustees at Burning Heart and she's got lots of experience in church and ministry here in the UK in California, where she grew up in Sierra Leone and lots of other places. But what stands out for me is that she's really excited about prayer and she does lots of it. So I went to see her and chat about prayer. 
Esther, thank you so much for agreeing to meet up to chat about prayer. Mm-hmm. You seem really excited about prayer. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say that's true? Oh my goodness, that's very true. Like when somebody says, yeah, Esther, come on, let's, let's talk about prayer. You don't have to do anything else, I'll be around. Because I love to talk about prayer. I love to encourage people to pray. Now you say you pray every day. Yes. How long do you pray for every day? <laughs> Well, I was living in California for a while and we used to have this joke going around, Esther's not available before 11 a.m. And that was really true. Not because I prayed until um, that time, but what I would do is I would wake up very early. I used to be a night person. I would be up till like two in the morning and I'll be like, but you know what somebody says, it's 11 p.m. I'm like, oh, the night is still young. Let's watch a movie till like 2 a.m. And then I was listening to a podcast. He kept going on and on about how important it was to wake up early in the morning. So as I drove in my car, I prayed, Lord, I want to be able to wake up early in the morning. The next morning, I woke up out of deep sleep, bang, strap, wake, 4.30. First, I rolled over in my bed and I thought, 4.30? What is going on? And then I remembered my prayer and I was like, I'm up, Lord, I'm up. <laughs> and so that began me waking up really early so I'd wake up at 4 45 every morning so I'll be there sometimes till like 9 in the morning 9 30 in the morning and then I'll come out and my day would just be really brilliant so, sorry so you you're, you're getting up just a little bit before five and then you're praying until 9 30 yes so that's basically four hours of prayer every single day Every single day, mostly. Sometimes if I have to get up early for some reason, like travel or something, it will be shorter. I mean, basically, I've read about people like you in Christian biographies, but I think you're the first <laughs> person I've met who put four hours a day. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Esther really inspires me in my prayer. And that's partly because she's just a normal person like you or me. And I realise I don't have to be someone special to be great at prayer. I can just be me. And what Esther has realised is that what makes prayer extraordinary is not who is praying, but who they're praying to. One of the most famous buildings in London and probably the world is Buckingham Palace. It's the official home of the King. And when we were making the film series, we went down to film there. Much as I'd have loved to meet the King, though, we knew that that wasn't going to happen. The gates were closed. I don't know the King and I wasn't invited. Normal people don't just walk into Buckingham Palace. Imagine how you'd feel if you were invited to meet the King at Buckingham Palace, though. Or imagine if you had the chance to meet someone else famous or inspiring, a world leader or a film star, whoever your heroes may be. It'd be a big deal for me. The date would go straight in my diary, I'd rearrange anything else I had planned, and I'd probably be boring my friends and family with stories of the big day for years to come. And yet, every day, I'm invited to spend time with someone far more amazing than the king, God. I think one of the main reasons many of us struggle in our prayer lives is because we've never really grasped the glory and greatness of what it means to pray. When we pray, we talk to God. Just stop and think about that for a moment. When we pray, we talk to God. He's the creator and ruler of all that exists. He's eternal, he's almighty, and he wants to talk to you. Wow. 
So what is prayer? Well, it's chatting to God, talking to him and spending time with him. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he taught them to pray to God as our Father. He started his answer and teaching on prayer, when you pray, say, Father. And Father is the opening word of the Lord's Prayer. And in many ways, it's the signature phrase and heartbeat of all Jesus' teaching on prayer. Because of Jesus, we can be in a relationship with God where we can call him Father. There's a beautiful intimacy in that word. In Aramaic, the language Jesus spoke, it would have been Ab. It means Father, but without any of the formality of that word in English. You could translate it simply as Daddy. It's a word of relationship, of closeness, of easy access. Prayer isn't some religious duty or obligation or a means to an end. Prayer is first and foremost relational, chatting with our Heavenly Father. Ironically, though, that intimacy can often blind us to the glory of what's going on. There's nothing childish or small in that word, Abba, Father. It's a word without the formality of the English father, but also without the childishness of the English daddy. Alongside the intimacy, there's a glorious privilege and power that we so easily forget. The one we pray to as Abba is also our Father in heaven, the Almighty God himself. And that makes prayer the most powerful and awesome thing that you or I will ever do. I may not have access to Buckingham Palace to meet the king, but when it comes to God, his Lord and King, the gates of heaven are flung wide open for me and I'm welcomed in whenever I want. Wow. When I was talking to Esther, she came back to this idea of relationship again and again. Do you find prayer easy? Yes. How? It's a conversation with God. <laughs> it's a conversation with a friend. So, I mean, for example, um, when I'm with my, um, my um, girlfriends, I talk about everything from fashion to makeup to, to boys, <laughs> hair, which I don't have any of now, <laughs> so I just shave off, um, all sorts of stuff. And you just flow. You just have a conversation and you have a laugh. You know, has God ever tickled you and said something so funny that you find yourself in your prayer time laughing all day? It's funny. So imagine when you when you and you're having a really good conversation with friends and the joy of having that conversation, the laughter, the big laugh that comes out of your belly. It's like that. It doesn't have to be solemn. It doesn't have to be sad. It doesn't have to be, you know, like a you know, like a drag. It can be fun. I'm not saying that there are not times when I haven't cried in prayer, I haven't found it really like you're really pushing, you you're working that muscle, you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing. We keep pushing because he never promised us easy, but he did say that I will be there with you. And we really need to get it that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not on our own. God is always with us. He will never abandon us. He will never leave us. So we keep pushing. So yeah, just as you talk with your friends, have that conversation with God. Talk about whatever it is you, you want to talk with your friend. He's, he's holy. He's also father. He's dad. He's a friend. He says, I no longer call, um, I'm call you slaves. Call you friends. He's a friend. 
All our prayers are rooted in our relationship with God, but we are then also encouraged to ask for things. In some ways, that shouldn't be a surprise to us. Anyone who's ever seen a small child asking their daddy for something will know that relationships and requests can come together very easily. And the rest of the Lord's Prayer is a series of requests. Some of it is focused on the things of God, as we pray, hallowed be your name or your kingdom come. Lots of it is also about us, though, as well. We're told to ask for protection against evil and temptation, to ask for forgiveness and to ask for the general necessities of life. We can pray for ourselves, asking, give us this day our daily bread. It's then this theme of asking that Jesus focuses in on in the rest of his teaching on prayer in Luke 11. He tells a short parable about it and then sums it up with the famous words, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is encouraging us to ask for things in prayer and telling us that if we do, we can expect to receive them. That can be practical things. He goes on to use an illustration of a child asking their dad for food. But it can also be more intangible things as well. And the section actually finishes with Jesus promising that your Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And some of the most amazing answers to prayer are found in God's presence and help. That's maybe particularly true in those moments when we walk through the darknesses of life, something we will explore more in episode three. Interestingly for me, though, that's one of the roots of Esther's passion for prayer. God's presence with her in a particularly difficult time of her life. She prayed and prayed through a long season of racism, victimisation and bullying at work. And that's the theme of this next short interview. Why do you think you're more excited about prayer than other people? I think I'm more excited about prayer um, is because of... I think it's because mostly of what happened to me years ago and because of seeing God answer my prayer. And the way that God answered my prayer wasn't the way that I was expecting. It was way better. It was far better. It was over the top better. And I remember I was just done one day and I remember just falling on the floor and I just cried out to God and I said, I said, I'm done. I said, if you don't, and I remember saying these words, Jesus, do not pass me by. If you pass me by, I'll die. And, um, and that was the cry that I had in my spirit. I cried so much. Somebody said I sounded like a, like an animal. Like I was crying from such a depth of my spirit. I didn't sound human. I was crying so, so deeply, you know, like asking God to help me. And, um, and I just let go of everything. So seeing God so profoundly move my life and change my life through prayer makes me passionate. It tells me my prayers are powerful. It tells me that God listens. He hears the cries of our hearts. It tells me that God is not deaf <laughs> and God is not blind. And God is there. He's present through it all. Yeah. One of London's most iconic venues is the Royal Albert Hall. We filmed this part of the series at the hall, and if you don't know it, well, Google it and you'll find lots of people have posted great photos online. 
We filmed at the hall to try and bring one of Jesus's best-known miracles to life, the feeding of the 5,000. The hall seats just over 5,000 people, which is the number of people Jesus fed miraculously on that extraordinary afternoon. Starting with one small boy's packed lunch of bread and fish, he fed this vast crowd. But how many really is that? I find it hard to picture, which is where the Royal Albert Hall came in. When I see and think about the size of the hall, suddenly this all comes to life. I imagine Jesus walking into a packed Royal Albert Hall and miraculously feeding them all. And it is an amazing image. Can you imagine you doing it? Or me? Because that's the sort of thing that Jesus told his disciples we should expect. On the night before his death, he said, Whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. I will do whatever you ask in my name. That's John 14, 12 and 13. And it's such a big promise, it's almost scary. Jesus told us that we should expect to do the same sorts of miracles that he did. That means healing the sick, calming storms, raising the dead or feeding thousands. In fact, Jesus actually said they will do even greater things than these. It's so easy to gloss over that or assume it's not for me. But this is not a promise for some elite group. Jesus' promise was for whoever believes in me. And that means anyone. That means you and me. And all we're told to do is ask in his name, to pray. Have you ever really grasped how amazing and powerful prayer actually is? One of the reasons I went to speak to Esther is that she has, and she's seen some amazing answers to prayer as a result. Let's move on to testimony. Testimonies! Um, so, <laughs> 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 I know you've seen some amazing answers to prayer over the years. Um, can you tell us some stories? I can tell you some stories. Oh my goodness, I love testimonies. I used to be a part of the, uh, the leadership team of the Bethel Healing Rooms in in Redding, California. So a first year student came and she was crying and she had an Auntie Cynthia, who they call Auntie Cindy, that was in a home and they'd been told that she was not gonna make it past that day. She had had MS for 30 years and she was end stage. And um, they wanted me to Skype into her hospital room. So it's like, of course. So she made the phone call, there was a a family member there, we Skyped in to the hospital room and what I saw was Auntie Cindy was lying on a bed and she was a different colour, she was grey and um, she looked still, she wasn't moving, she looked like she was dead and she was under covers already and um, backtrack 24 hours earlier was a Friday morning, I woke up Friday morning singing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. So. We go forward 24 hours. Here is Auntie Cindy lying on this bed and on the screen. And I thought, dear Lord, this, I mean, I've got nothing. Like, but God, you know. So I put my hand on the screen over her picture, you know, on the screen. And I just began to pray. 
and I just began to call life and healing and health to her body and prayed nothing happened and suddenly I heard in my head I've got a river of life flowing out of me so I said hey Auntie Cindy I have a song for you she's not she's unresponsive and I sang the song first time and I sang the song second time and at the second time I sang the song out comes out of my mouth hey Cindy get out of that deathbed and walk literally just came out of my mouth not planned, didn't know I was going to say it, nothing, just came out of my mouth. And the next thing, she moved. The nurse went, like she put her hand on her head and her mouth was open. And then the niece that was standing right there started shouting, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She moved. And I said, Cindy, get up, get up, get up. So I called the nurse who was now afraid to come and touch her. Come and help her, get up. And she moves the covers and she takes little steps. And her legs just get stronger and I'm watching this. I could hardly see because I was crying so much. And she walks across to the other side of the room. There was a wheelchair there. She stood next to the wheelchair. She turned around and her entire face had changed. Oh, wow. 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 Well, I don't know about you, but prayer no longer seems small or boring or hard when I hear testimonies like that. Instead, it feels exciting and full of possibility. Of course, there are challenges when not everything that we pray about seems to be answered. And we will look at those in more detail in chapter three. But for now, I think we need our faith and expectations about prayer to be expanded. We need a fresh glimpse and vision of what prayer really is. It's easy just to think, well, that's Esther. She's great at all this. But actually, this is for you and me too. What makes prayer work is not the person praying, but the person they're praying to. Esther can't do all that. But God can. If you believe in Jesus, then that God is now your Abba, Father. He wants you to chat to him and to ask him for things in prayer. They can be small, like a child running to her daddy when she's hurt. Or they can be huge, like a woman walking off her deathbed, totally healed of MS. And so, as we finish, can I pray for you? Abba, Father, I pray for everyone listening to this. And ask that you would inspire and help them in their prayers. Make them want to pray more. Meet them and help them when they do pray. And answer them when they ask. In Jesus' name. Amen.